Amen. You know, I was, uh, I was really inspired last week by uh, Vicky, and uh, especially by the old stretch that she gave. And, uh, and so I was thinking, man, how can I build on that? You know, man, she's given an awesome illustration. So I figured maybe the illustration I could give would be to do a, uh, a flip off the stage. But then how many people know God gives us the grace for what we're called to do? And uh, I'm not called to do that. So I thought maybe God's grace only extends to a roly-poly. So, but because of time, that'll be next time. So uh, let's just pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Father. Lord, we just declare that this morning is all about you, God. Father, this morning is about us bringing honor to your name. Lord, this morning is about us, Lord God, standing redeemed, Father, and renewed as your sons and daughters of Christ. Lord God, that, Father, today we'd be ignited, Lord, with a passion and a purpose, Lord God, to serve you, Father God, and not only serve you with a little bit, but God, to serve you with all that we have, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare you'd open our hearts and our spirit, Lord God, to receive Lord, what the word that you have for us this morning. Everyone said? Amen. Awesome. Let me ask you this question. When you look at your life, what do people see? Do they see somebody who doesn't, who just looks the same as everybody else? Or do they see someone who is different? Do they see someone when they look at your life and think, man, oh, there's something different about you. I want to be like that. What do they see? Think about that for a minute. When they look at you, your life throughout the week, what do they see? You see, God's called every one of us, we are an influencer. We influence people, whether we influence them for good or whether we influence them for bad. The question is, is how do you influence people? You might say, yeah, but I'm not a leader. I'm not called to be a leader. But it doesn't matter. We still influence people. Our lives affect people one way or another. The question is, how does your life affect the people around you? You see, we're all called to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And we do that by the way we worship Him. We do that when we stand and we pray. And we do that when we read our Word. And we do that when we come to church and we worship Him. We do that when we give our tithes and our offerings. But you see, we're also called to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ, which is a different thing altogether. You see, we worship Him and we honor His name because He is worthy, because He is the Lord God. He is the one that saves. He is the one that died on the cross for you and I so that we could live. But we're called to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ as well. And that's about your lifestyle throughout the week. That's about how you live life when you're at work, how you live life when you're at school, how you live life as a husband and a wife, how you show your kids how to be be a good Christian. You see, we bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ by whether or not we pay our bills on time. We bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ by the words we speak. We bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ by our actions to people. Do we get upset when people cut us off the road? And we start, oh! Or do we bring and honor the name of Jesus Christ in that situation? You see, this morning my message is called bringing honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And you see, we live in a generation where we're taught that it's all about us. We live in a society where we see on TV, where we're taught at school, where we're taught at work, where everything is all about you and you've got to put number one first if you ever want to get ahead. But you see, that is totally opposite to what Jesus calls us to live. You see, Jesus calls us, he says in his word, those who are last shall be first. Those who want to be great, then you need to lay down your life, take up your cross and follow me. Which all that talks about self-sacrifice. You see, we need to sacrifice our lives. There's an element of death that we need to have about our lives, that, Lord, our lives would die so that your name could be honored. 
That, Lord, our lives would be laid down so that Jesus' name would be honored through our life, through our lifestyle. You see, 1 Corinthians 1 to 9 says that we are, Jesus calls us to be partners. And I know when it comes to business that your name is everything when it comes to business. When people see the name that, that, that marks your business, they either say one or two things. That is somebody who has good work ethic, or that is somebody that I wouldn't want to go near. And when you work, you work so that that business, that, that name would be honored, so that that name would be in a place where, it, where it's held highly. You see, we're called to be partners of Jesus Christ. We're called, he calls us into partnership, that it's no longer about us just being a servant, it's about us now being a son. It's about us standing with the Lord, saying, God, everything we do, we do to bring you honor, amen? Everything we do, we do to bring you honor. If you've got your word, if you've got the Bible today, then I want you to turn to Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. It says this, verse 14. It says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights up a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is a place on a stand where it gives light to everybody in the house. The same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will, be, will praise your heavenly Father so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father, that your good deeds would shine out, so that everyone would praise the heavenly Father. You see, we're called to reflect the glory of God. We're called to be a reflection in a, in a world and a society that is full of darkness. We're called to be a light that would reflect the glory of God. You see, we're not called to be a light and then hide it. We're called to be a light and we're called to let it shine so that people would know who you are, that people would know what you stand for. You see, for some of us, let me ask this question, are you afraid to let your light shine? Are you afraid to let people know who you are, what you stand for? When you're in your school, when you're in your workplace, when you go throughout the week, do you try and hide the fact that you're a Christian because you don't want people to judge you? You see, God has ignited a passion in every one of us. God has ignited a future and a hope in every one of us so that we could go into the marketplace, so that we could go into society, and so that we could let our lights be shine, so that people would know who we are, so that it wouldn't be hidden, but that, but that it would stand strong and the light would shine, shine bright so that people would know who you are, that people would know what you reflect so that people would come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when you talk to a lot of unsaved people, they're like, I don't want to come to church. I don't want to be saved. Why is that? Because the church is full of people who are hypocrites. Say one way, but live another. Or it's full of people that just are kind of a little weird. Who's weird here? Well, oh, some people put their hands. You see, we're called to be people that aren't hypocrites. You see, when people talk about the church, we think they're talking about this building. The building is not the church. You and I are. 
We are the face of the church. We are the face of Bay City. We are the face of Jesus Christ in the flesh. They can't see Jesus, but they see you. They can't see, and some people will never enter into this place, but they see you, who is a representation of this place, of this house, which is a representation of Jesus Christ. You see, the Word says that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you as a temple, that the Holy Spirit would dwell in you, so that as people see you, they would see a reflection of Christ. What is it that they see when they look at your life? Do you hide your light? See, for some of us, we do. Some of us are so full of fear, so afraid what people will think, that we hide the very thing that God is wanting us to shine. That we hide the very thing that God is wanting us to show the world, to show Hawke's Bay. That we wouldn't be people who are hypocrites. See, when they say that, they're talking about people that they've dealt with who are Christians. Who say, I'm a Christian, but yet live a totally different way. Who say, yeah, I go to church. Man, I go to this awesome church down at Bay City. But then their lifestyle is one that they're like, well, if you go there, I'm not going there. What's your lifestyle? How is it that you live? Does it shine? Does it reflect the glory of God? Does it bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ? See, we're called to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ through our lifestyle. And that's a challenge for all of us. You see, that we would be empowered so that God would empower us with wisdom so that when we speak, we're not just speaking our words, we're speaking words that are full of wisdom. So that when we go out into the community, that we'd be empowered to see life into people's situation. That we'd be empowered by the Spirit of God to see the presence of God manifested in the situations that we, that we are in. 1 Corinthians 10. You can turn there. While you're turning there, see a couple of things that I've done in my life and, and for all of us. You know, it's about, it comes down to a choice, how we will choose to live our life. Whether we will choose to allow our lives to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ, or whether we won't. It comes down to a choice. And see, a couple of things that I've done is, in my business, I've chosen, when I started out in business, I've chosen never to do perkies, to declare everything. Because the Bible says, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Which means pay your taxes. You see, either you believe that God will provide or you don't. And it's one thing to stand up and declare to people that I'm a Christian, I believe God will provide, and then you go and receive a cashy. When God has actually clearly said, pay your taxes, and then he will honor that. You see, that's a stand that I've personally, and this is something that you guys see. When I was working for someone, I did cashies, and I had Pastor Doug and Andy Mays. I didn't think, I just didn't even think anything of it. I'd never thought about it. I just thought, cool, i got some cash. Woo! When you're on wages, it's pretty cool. And so they said to me, you know, they just said, look, think about this. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? That is very true. So that when people look at my life who know I'm a Christian, and see, the people who we contract to, the people we work to, work for, they know I'm a Christian. The shops and stuff that we deal with, they know that I'm a Christian. So I've got to be very careful about how I operate my business, about how I operate my life. So when people say to me, will you take cash? 
said, you can pay me cash, but I'll declare it through my business because that's what I do. You see, so that our lives would bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. You see, another stand that I've made in regards to drinking is this. And it doesn't say in the Bible that it's wrong to have a drink, but it does say do not allow yourself to be intoxicated so that you are now out of, you lose control of your life. Don't allow your life to be under the control of other influences. But a stand that I've made for me personally, and again, this is totally, you guys need to choose for yourself because it's your life, not mine. I'm not living your life. But for me, I've chosen this step that I will never drink in public because of what it will do when others see me drinking. And I don't, I don't personally, I don't like wine, I don't like beer, but I do like the odd, you know, color or whatever. But for me, that's the stand that I've made, that I will never go into public place, even around Christians, and I won't drink at all. Why? Because for this reason, that if there's younger believers there than what I am, they see me drinking, and all they see is that I'm having a drink. Well, if he's drinking, then so can I. You see, what they don't see is the fact that I'll stop after one. They don't see that. All they see is the fact that you're drinking, so now so can I, so I'm going to drink, and then they go too far. You see, by your actions, what have you caused that person to do? We're called to live life in a way that brings honor to the name of Jesus Christ, and that means that there are times where you will have to sacrifice. That means there are times where you'll have to go without what you want to do so that others can come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's just a couple of things I've chosen. And uh, why? So that his name will be honored. So that his name will be honored. Is Jesus, is his name honored through your lifestyle? In 1 Corinthians it says this, verse 29. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? That's what we're talking about right there. And a lot of us think that way. Oh, but God, I want to do it, God, and it's not actually wrong, so I don't care what people think. And you know, you can take that attitude when it comes to standing up for what you believe in, when it comes to standing up for Jesus Christ, take that attitude. I don't care what people think. If I declare who I am, if I stand up and say, I'm a born-again Christian, I don't care what people think. But when it comes to how it affects others, then... God calls us to care. He calls us to care. Verse 30. I can thank God. If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, then why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Don't give offerings, offenses to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I do just, sorry. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they may be saved. So that they may be saved. Everything I do, I do for others so that they may be saved. So that they may be saved. You see, we continually are faced with pressure. We continually are faced with things that would try and push us back from bringing honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And there are three things that I particularly want to hit on this morning. The first one is this is apathy. You see, apathy is a spirit that will continually come to hold you down 
from being full of life, from being full of excitement in Christ. You see, the spirit of apathy is one that will try and keep you so weighed down that you don't ever enjoy life, that when you enter into this place, that there's a spirit of heaviness that sits on you. You know, we would all know what it's like to be walking around and all of a sudden we feel heavy. There's a heaviness and it's like, man, what is that? It's a spirit of apathy that comes to rob you of the excitement that Christ has called us to live in, of the life and the joy that Christ has called us to live in. And you see, the thing with the spirit of apathy is it takes a choice by us to choose to do something different. It takes a choice by us to choose that when I feel oppressed, when I feel heavy, when I feel weighed down, that I will choose to do the opposite, which is passion. That I will choose to serve the Lord passionately if I feel heavy. You see, it's not something, it's, it's, you don't have to go to the cross, you just have to choose to do something different. See, it's about a choice. And for a lot of us, we choose to live under the heaviness that the devil would try of, and he would, that he would try and keep us under because he knows the moment that a Christian starts to get passionate for him, they're there, they're going to cause some damage. So see, he doesn't want us to get to that place where we're passionately serving him, where we're passionately on fire for him. He wants to keep us in a place that is full of lifeless death, full of apathy. See, we need to choose. The opposite of apathy is passion. We need to choose to be passionate. You see, when Joshua took the Israelites into the promised land and they faced the biggest giant ever, which was Jericho, so it said the walls were so thick that chariots would race around the top. That's one big wall. You see, they could have very easily stood in front of that wall and thought, man, how am I ever going to see this giant come down? They could have been weighed down, oppressed. But you know what the Lord said? March around the wall for six days, and on the seventh day, march around seven times. Now I'm thinking if that's me, and I'm marching around this big wall, I might be excited and passionate about it the first day. But after the sixth day, I would be pretty fed up by it and thinking, man, what's nothing? There's not even a little stone that's budging out of that wall. I haven't even seen any movement of that wall coming down. And I have to walk around this thing seven days tomorrow? Something going on. I'm feeling a little, it's just, but they did it anyway. And you know what he said? He said, once you've walked around it seven times, let out a shout of praise to the Lord and the walls will come down. You see, apathy, when you feel oppressed and, and, and weighed down, you need to let out a shout of praise. You need to let out a shout of praise and the walls will come down. The things that you're feeling oppressed about, the apathy will come down. The pressure of life, the pressure of finances. As you, as you lift up a shout of praise to Jesus, then the walls will come down. You see, people walk into these, into these doors and they feel weighed down. They stand there and they think, oh man, the worship didn't quite cut it this morning. I didn't feel the presence of God. The preacher is all right, but he's a little loud. You see, you're not called to enter this place and have the worship leaders or the preacher or the worship team usher you into the presence of God. See, they play a part in it, but it's about all of us being unified. Where there's unity, the presence of God fell. You see, so it's about us when we walk into this place, standing here and saying, God, even though I'm feeling weighed down, God, even though I'm feeling apathetic, Lord, I will play my part, and Lord, I will praise you with passion. Lord, I will praise and worship you with my whole heart, that Lord, I wouldn't stand there with my arms folded and think, this is not cutting it. Let me ask you this question. What are you bringing to the service when you enter?
What are you bringing into this place when you come here? Are you bringing a spirit that is full of apathy and weighed down? Or are you choosing to rise above that and stand up and say, nevertheless, I will choose to let out a shout of praise. As I choose to let out a shout of praise, the walls will come down. As I choose to let out a shout of praise, we will encounter the Spirit of God like we've never encountered before. As I choose to let my life be an example to Him, to honor Him, that we would see the presence of God in this place like never before. Because you see, when you stand there and there's a new believer standing around you and they see you just standing there, what example are you setting? You see, we're called. We're all at different levels in this place. We're all at different walks in this place. So we're all called together to stand and worship Him passionately. Worship Him with our whole hearts, bringing the person on the side of us. Come on, man. I see you're feeling down. I'm bringing you with me into the presence of God. Come on, sir, I'm bringing you with me into the presence of God. Come on, ma'am, I'm bringing you with me into the presence of God. I'm not just talking, but I'm walking the walk. Let me, if you don't know how to worship, let me show you how. If you've never seen, if you're new, a Christian who got saved last week, let me show you how to worship him. That we'd rise above apathy, that our lifestyle would be one that would bring people into the presence of God. So people would be saved. Amen. The second thing is, is lukewarmness. How many people like that word? A few. <laughs> you see, lukewarmness is a thing that we constantly have to battle. And that's all of us have to battle that. Lukewarmness is a thing that, for us in the Western world, that is a real serious problem. But you see, Christianity is not a Sunday thing. See, for a lot of us, we come here to church, we call ourselves a Christian, we do church. And then outside, through the week, we do something totally different. It's not about playing church, friends. It's not about, we're not here to play church, we're here to mean business with the Lord. Because your example, your lifestyle, we're called to bring people into the presence of God. How can you do that when you're doing church here, but you're not doing it outside these walls? Because you see, most of the unsaved are out there. Most of the unsaved will never enter into this building. We are the face of the church. We are the face of Jesus Christ. We are the face of Bay City. You represent this church when you're outside. Lukewarmness, that it's not a Sunday duty, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we choose that we would model to other people how to live. You see, as parents, you know, as a kid's pastor, you know, and you talk to parents, and they say, how do, how do I get my kids to have a passionate relationship with God? You know, it's actually not really, it's not that hard. You model it. You model a passionate walk with God, and your kids will see you as parents modeling the way to walk as Christians, and they will see that, and they'll see if that's how mom and dad walk, then that's how I will walk. You see, for a lot of us, we don't, our kids don't see us passionately worshiping the Lord. Our kids don't see us passionately living for Christ. They know we go to church, but that's all they see. What do they see when you're in home? What do they see when, do they see you passionately praying at home? You know, your prayer closet doesn't need to be one that is actually always in the closet. You see, there's actually a real good thing 
when your kids see you pray. See, I had my six-year-old son say to me, Dad, I had a busy week and I, you know, I like my sleep. And so I hadn't been getting up in the morning and praying. And uh, that's right, slap my hand. And because uh, <clears throat> it was something we all, we all struggle with. And my, oh, my oldest son who's six said to me, Dad, we haven't prayed for a little while. What are you doing? Yeah, we need to get up in the morning and we need to pray. All right, man. Awesome. Let's do it. And, uh, and we did. Why? Because he'd seen and he'd seen it modeled before. And then the moment that he saw, heaven to rest. Sorry. Sorry, Zach. Slap my hand. That's right. Come on, son. Bring me in. That's it. You're bringing me up into the presence of God. Well done. You see, I've seen parents where they're both Christians. One's passionately going hard for God. The other's not. You know what that does to the kids? The kids will never go higher than what you are. So when they see one who's passionate for God, one who's not so passionate for God, who will they follow? Whose actions will they model? They model the one that's not so passionate. I'll be like, where's your brother? Oh, he's home with mum who's not coming to church today. Or he's home with dad who stayed up and watched the rugby and, you know, he's too tired to come to church today. If you want your kids to be on fire for God, you be on fire for God. If you want your kids to be ones who passionately serve the Lord, then you passionately serve the Lord. Both of you together. And if you're a single parent, then you doing it together with the Lord. You see, the Lord makes up for your lack. You see, I know it's not easy being a single parent. And I know when I'm away and my wife's there by herself, it's hard work. But the Lord is your strength. The Lord is your provider. The Lord is the one that will give you keys and wisdom about how to model a Christ-like world so that your kids can see you. Everything that we do, we do it so that we would bring people into the presence of God. Live your life in a way that shows your kids how to walk. No excuses. This is your kids on the line here. This is your kids on the line. See, habits are set at that early age, under 10 years. Habits are formed. Lukewarmness. You see, we live in a generation where men are so passive. And let me just talk to you men for a little bit here, because I'm still trying to work out woman myself. And so um, a little hard one for me to, to speak on. And uh, I'm getting there, but uh, slowly but surely by the grace of the Lord. Amen. And all the men said... Well done, because I know you all agree. But you men, you know, we live in a generation in a society where the males are so passive that they will never stand up, that as males we will just choose to just cruise under the radar, whereas males we will choose to, to just go to work, do our work, and if, so long as we're providing for our family, then it's all good. You see, God calls us as men in the homes to do more than that. God calls us to not only provide, but he calls us to lead. And that's not about being a king in your home and saying, you do this and you do that and you do the dishes and I'll sit down and watch TV. You see, it's about you guys modeling the way to live life. And that's about for us guys being guys that will firstly passionately serve the Lord. You see, my wife says to me, when you're going good with God, the whole house is different. And all the wives would agree. 
that when their husbands are going good with God, the whole house is different. Because why? Because God has ordained men to be the head of the home. And that's not about being a king, but it's about spiritually setting that covering over your house. It's about spiritually setting that covering over the house so that when temptation comes, when, when an attack from the enemy comes, that you've already stood in the gap and you've already won the battle. You've already fought the war for your wife. You've fought the war for your kids. See, man, we need to rise up and stand up. We need to take our place as passionate men that has chosen to be passionately serving the Lord. You see, it's about us modeling that lifestyle to our, to our families. It's about us as men bringing our wives into a place where they're fulfilling the dreams, where they're fulfilling the desires, where they're fulfilling the calls that God has for them. Do you think about that as men? Or do we just come home? I'm going out with the boys tonight to watch the rugby. I'm doing this tonight, or I'm doing that. Think about your wife for a minute. What does she want to do? What does she want to do? Because you see, as she's happy, then you'll be even happier. As we bring our wives into the call that God has for them, then it's a happy home. And as men, we like happy homes. You see, it's about bringing our wives, bringing them into the giftings that God has, has called for them too. It's about bringing and training our kids up in the way they should go. And there's something about men doing that. There's something that is more powerful about men doing that. You see, your day's work starts when you go home, especially if you have young kids. It's not time for you to just sit around on the couch. It's about bringing honor to the name of Jesus Christ in all we do. And the last one is this, we need to enjoy life. You know, as Christians, sometimes we get so weighed down that we don't enjoy life. Let me ask you this, what does that show a non-Christian? When all they ever see is you, someone who's so unhappy, where someone is so just, you're just walking with your head low. People can tell when you're not enjoying life. What does that reflect to people? What are the things that take away your joy? What are the things that's taken away your happiness? Because you see, when people see you, and they see you like that, they'll be thinking, whatever's different about them, I don't want it. Whatever's different about them, I don't want it because I don't like what it's doing to them. They're unhappy all the time. And I want to be happy. If they're not happy, then I don't want what they have. But we're saying, we're Christians, come to church. But I don't want what you have because look at you. You're sad all the time. We need to be excited and enjoy life. You see, whether you're walking through the valley, the moment you wake up out of bed every morning, you have something to be excited about. Whether your life is at the point right now where financially you're stripped, where you don't have any, you're just like you're at your last cent, where your family's in a mess, you have something to be excited about when you wake up because Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could have life, so that you could have freedom, so that you could be excited about it. The music team can come up now. We have something to be excited about every day we wake up. Whether you're walking in the valley or whether you're on top of the mountain, you have something to be excited about. Because you see, friends, every new day is a new day where you can see the power of God move. Every new day is a new day where you can see the miraculous power of God breaking through in your life. 
as we allow our lives to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't only honor him, but that we would bring honor to him. And we, so we, often we honor him, but we forget to bring honor to him. That our lifestyle would bring honor to him. That our life would cause people to want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That our life would cause people to want to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That our life, when, even if it means we sacrifice, and trust me, friends, it will mean you sacrifice. It will mean you sacrifice your desires. It will mean you sacrifice your dreams. It will mean you sacrifice the things you want to do. But if it's bringing people into a relationship with Christ, then hallelujah, that is what we're called to do. That is what we're called to do. You could be a millionaire in this place and not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Guaranteed, you will not be happy. You can make the most money in the world as a Christian and think you're happy, but the moment that you bring someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is nothing better than that. There is nothing better than that. The moment that you see somebody saved through your life, the moment that you see somebody saved come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is nothing better. What are you living for? What example is your life showing? Every eye closed and every head bowed right now in this place. Holy Ghost, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we love you.